They have been hiding their agenda for decades. Slowly, methodically, and meticulously, they've injected their ideas and philosophies into all aspects of government, education, social life, and the corporate world. We have sat by and allowed this to occur, and now they're to the point that they no longer feel the need to operate silently, behind the scenes, to alter what we have taken for granted. They will not cease, they will not concede, and they have no intentions of failing. This is The Washington Effect. I'm your host, Murray Edwards, and I would like to thank you for tuning in. Over the years, more and more people have decided to leave the urban areas to move to a more rural setting. Most are leaving because of the increase in violence, poor quality of education, and local politicians for who the most part have forgotten who they're supposed to serve, the people. They want the freedom to move around as they want, the freedom to choose where they live, and to have a say in what they do on their property. But they don't like that. And who are the they? The left, those self-righteous environmentalists, the climate change alarmists, and the elitists who believe that they know what's best for society. And if you don't want to abide, well then, you're some kind of hate-filled, bigoted racist that, as Biden likes to state, a denier of the climate emergency. We've seen the push to electric vehicles, wind farms, and solar farms, and their attempt to punish anyone that uses fossil fuels to run their car, heat their homes, and cook their meals. So what's next? Ever heard of the term, the 15-minute city? Some of you probably have, but I would imagine many have not. And what is it? It's a process to redefine urban living for a sustainable future. Now that kind of gives you a hint, doesn't it? The 15-minute city is a concept in urban planning and design that envisions cities organized in a way that most of the individual's daily needs can be met with a 15-minute walk or bike ride from their home. The idea behind the 15-minute city is to create more livable, sustainable, resilient, and diverse urban environments by reducing the reliance on cars, promoting the active public transportation modes, and improving overall quality of life. Now that sounds like a wonderful idea, doesn't it? The plan will be to have all the essential amenities, such as grocery stores, schools, healthcare facilities, workplaces, parks, and cultural venues all located within a relatively short distance of one another. This would reduce the need for long commutes, lower traffic congestion, decreases in pollution, and enhances community interactions. The concept of the 15-minute city was popularized by a Carlos Marino, a professor in urban planning as a response to detrimental effects on urban sprawl and long commutes. The core principle revolves around the idea that residents should be able to access most of their daily needs within a 15-minute walk or bike ride from their homes. This holistic approach to urban planning aims to reduce the dependence on cars, promote sustainable transportation modes, and create a self-sufficient neighborhood. Here are a few principles of a 15-minute city. Proximity. Essential services such as grocery stores and schools, healthcare facilities, and the like should all be within a 15-minute radius of a home. Mixed-use development. Neighborhoods should incorporate a mixture of residential, commercial, and recreational spaces to minimize the need for extensive travel. Accessibility. 
High-quality pedestrian and cycle infrastructure should be prioritized to ensure safe and efficient movement around the city. Public transportation. Efficient public transportation systems including buses, trams, and trains should complement the walkable and bike-friendly infrastructure and the local economy, encouraging local businesses and markets to reduce the need for long commutes and contribute to the community cohesion. Now here are some of the so-called benefits of a 15-minute city. Environmental sustainability, I have a hard time with that word, by reducing the reliance on cars, the 15-minute city can significantly decrease greenhouse gas emissions, air pollution, and traffic congestion. By far, you won't have use of your vehicle. This approach aligns with the global efforts to combat climate change and improve air quality. They believe that this will lead to improved quality of life. Shorter commutes and increased accessibility to essential services will enhance the overall quality of life for the residents. People will have more time for leisure, family, and personal pursuits, leading to reduced stress levels and improved mental well-being. They believe that this will improve community cohesion. The emphasis on local economics and community engagement fosters stronger social ties amongst its residents. Vibrant public spaces and communal areas will encourage social interactions and a sense of belonging. Now I happen to live on a small street that has five homes. Seldom do we get together, so I'm not quite sure exactly how being closer together is going to improve social interactions or a sense of belonging. They believe that this will drive an economic resilience. Local businesses will thrive in a 15-minute city as residents prioritize nearby shops and services. This decentralized economy would make neighborhoods more resilient to any kind of economic shocks. Now, I really like this last one, health and fitness. Because you're apparently not going to have use of your car or very limited use of your car, walking and cycling will become integral parts of the daily routines, promoting an active lifestyle and reducing sedentary behavior. This will contribute to an improved public health outcomes and reduce the healthcare cost. It sounds like they want to create a whole lot of many utopias now, doesn't it? I guess they want to rip up the existing cities, tear them apart, and rebuild them in a vision where it's assumed everyone will get along and all will be well with the world. But you would have to think that there might be just a few challenges and considerations that they may not have looked into yet. For example, the existing infrastructure. Transforming established cities into a 15-minute city is going to require substantial changes to the existing infrastructure, which will be costly and logistically challenging. There's going to be city zoning and city regulations to take in consideration. Outdated zoning regulations designed for car-centric cities may hinder the implementation of a mixed-use development in compact neighborhoods. Now here's a good one. Equity and accessibility. Equal access to resource and opportunities must be ensured for all residents, avoiding the risk of creating pockets of privilege within the city. Well, what about behavior changes? Shifting cultural norms and habits, such as car ownership and long commutes, will require effective communication, education, and incentives. And then there's urban planning and design. 
Successful implementation will rely on thoughtful urban design that prioritizes walkability, green spaces, and efficient public transportation systems. But it goes much deeper. The 15-minute city concept could inadvertently exacerbate existing inequalities in urban areas. As neighborhoods become more attractive due to improved amenities and reduced commuting times, property values may rise, leading to the gentrification displacing lower-income residents who can no longer afford to live in that area. One of the key principles of this 15-minute city project is to have a diverse mix of amenities and services within a neighborhood. However, this approach could lead to a loss of specialization that larger urban centers provide, specialized medical facilities, cultural venues, and unique businesses may struggle to thrive in a neighborhood that could potentially limit the diversity and the richness of experience that larger and more centralized cities can provide. The concept challenges traditional urban development models, which often relies on concentrated commercial centers, distributing economic activity across multiple neighborhoods might affect the economies of scale that centralized business districts can achieve. This would impact the efficiency of certain industries and lead to increased costs for businesses and potentially affecting the overall economic viability of this 15-minute city. While the plan aims to reduce reliance on cars, it may not eliminate them, as the climate elitists hoped it would. Certain activities such as transporting goods or commuting to destinations outside the immediate neighborhood might still require the private vehicle or a longer commute. This could lead to a situation where urban residents continue to own cars, which they don't want to happen, albeit for a reduced range of activities, thereby not achieving the reduced reduction in congestion and pollution. What are the potential environmental impacts? While the concept aims to reduce the need for long commutes, it might inadvertently lead to urban sprawl as more neighborhoods are designed to be more self-sufficient. This expansion of urban areas could encroach upon natural habitats and contribute to environmental degradation. Additionally, the construction and maintenance of necessary infrastructure could have significant ecological consequences if not planned and executed thoughtfully. What would be the economic impact on commuter towns? The concept would have unintended consequences for towns that currently rely on commuters. If people no longer need to travel for work, these commuter towns would experience an economic decline. Businesses that depend on commuter traffic would struggle, and local economies could suffer due to decreased demand for housing and services. And then there's the loss of the urban identity. Part of what makes large cities unique is their distinct neighborhoods, each of which has their own character and identity. The concept could potentially dilute these identities of neighborhoods become more homogenized due to their self-sufficiency. The loss of these diverse urban pockets could impact the overall cultural fabric of a city. Now you're probably saying to yourself, you know, this doesn't seem too bad. Well, let's think about this for a few minutes. Let's say you live in a rural area and you must drive to work. And where you work happens to be one of these 15-minute cities. Are they going to require that you park your car at the city limits and wait for public transportation? Or will you have to walk the rest of the way to work? That's food for thought. And what other types of rules might be put in place to reside in this 15-minute city? 
You know that one would have to be everything must be electric. Your stove, your water heater, and you got to figure that they're going to mandate that your vehicle is electric. It seems to me that the populace would be very crowded in the small neighborhoods with various zones, private homes, apartments, and we can't live out affordable housing or the multifamily dwellings. And it takes a person about 15 minutes to walk a mile. So is everything going to be concentrated in the center of the city? And where is all this money going to come from to build these cities? The federal government? Are they going to be using our tax dollars? Or maybe what's occurring out in California where a group of Silicon Valley elites have been quietly buying up Northern California farmland for several years. They finally went public with their vision for a utopian city they hope to build from scratch on 55,000 acres of land that they now own in Solando County. In all, the group has spent nearly $1 billion and have become the largest landowner in the county, even buying property around the nation's busiest Air Force Base. Their dream is to establish a new city with homes of various sizes and cost, with walkable neighborhoods close to shops and schools and open spaces around the community, stating it could bring thousands of permanent good-paying jobs in a community that is powered by a large solar farm. Now, you think that they'll have some say-so in what you can and can't do? You betcha. But, my friends, this goes much deeper than you might have thought. This is ultimately about power and control. A globalist climate organization known as the C40's City Climate Leadership Group, in which 14 cities here in America are participating in, has ambitious targets. By the year 2030, zero meat consumption, zero dairy consumption, You'll be able to get three new clothing items per year per person, zero vehicles owned, and one short haul flight every three years per person. The organization is headed and largely funded by billionaire Michael Bloomberg. There are nearly 100 cities across the world that make up the organization, and here in America we have 14 cities, Austin, Boston, Chicago, Houston, Los Angeles, Miami, New Orleans, New York City, Philadelphia, Phoenix, Portland, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and Seattle are also part of the organization. In 2020, the World Economic Forum, which promotes the C40's concept, introduced the Great Reset, which seeks to use the COVID-19 pandemic as a point in which to launch a global reset of society to supposedly combat climate change. This reset, however, has more to do with social control than it does to climate, and the push for the 15-minute city is part of its agenda. As the WEF plainly stated in a 2016 promotional video, by 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Hedge funds and private billionaires are buying up residential homes and farmland all over the world, and at the same time, unrealistic zero-emission policies are impoverishing Westerners and annihilating the middle class which is fueling the reliance on centralized government. Now you know where they plan for the money to come from. Their hopes are to build or reshape the cities and towns in which you live. The climate activists who have been driving these agendas are also advocating for climate lockdowns in the same manner governments clabbered for enforced COVID lockdowns. Ideas floated for climate lockdowns have ranged from shuttering people into their homes, restricting air travel, and providing a universal basic income and introducing a maximum income level. Understand their ultimate goal. It's to gain control of where you live, 
how you live, what you drive, and ultimately what you eat. Will the elites abide by these rules? Of course not. They'll continue to go about their merry way, thinking that they are so much better than the common folk, that you should be, or should I say, will be, happy with what they plan to allow you to do. They are no longer hiding their agenda. It's out there for everyone to see. Until next time, this is Murray Edwards, and this has been The Washington Effect.